It's shit show time. I'm Lagan, and I'm back, 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 back again. Oh, nice. Uh, I, I'm Brian, and I, I'll think of something smart later. Every time. Every time. Every time. Every, every time. goddamn time. Lagan nails it, and we all fail. Just fuck up. We just fuck up. It's hard following greatness, just like all of these movies. There you go. Hey, Brian, thinking on your feet. Here's my lame, obvious one, as usual. Watching these movies was like going to hell and back. (laughs) It's on my feet. (laughs) That works. I'm Mike, and and like a sixth marriage, these are about what you'd expect. (laughs) (laughs) It was so. It was kind of a joint idea. Yeah, and I, I wanted to mention that, not to cut across it, but I thought this was my idea, but it isn't really. What happened was, I still can't reconcile or understand or try to put any sense around why we watched Psycho Cop 2. And, <laughs> and I kind of said, what is this, just fucking random sequel time? And I said, oh, we just watched three random sequels from three random... And it was actually Lagan who said, we could call it Mark of the Beast 666, and I... I didn't hear you say that, and I thought it was my brilliant idea. That that happens to me all the time. Oh, that's just the story <laughs> of your life. <laughs> and Brian had something to do with this, because Brian mentioned Tremor 6. So the way, what I want our listeners to do is to imagine, if they will, me, Brian, and Lagan with our ass cheeks pushed together, the three of us crouched over one toilet, all taking, mm, a, ass to ass. All taking a runny dump. Kind of like a David Cronenberg ass monster. <laughs> right into Mike's brain. That's beautiful. It's so That's a beautiful image. But that's how I visualize the creation of this uh, subgenre. That That is basically what happened. Fan art, please. Whew, yeah, it's the sixth sequel of uh, three popular, long-running, why is this still going franchises. Oh, that's the thing we should mention. Yeah, all of these... All of these um, series are super mega popular because sometimes you'll get like there's a million films in a series and you're like who the hell is watching these like Candyman, which the first Candyman is great and then most people haven't seen the Candyman uh sequels two three and remake yeah well people have seen the remake because the remakes now remake is great by the way you should probably go see that but the oh is it yeah hell yeah i liked it but but for these yeah these are three super mega beloved um franchises like two of them are kind of the joke is they have sequels built in actually all of them the joke is that there's a million of them right yes yeah so we've got uh uh nightmare on elm street uh six the final nightmare uh halloween six the curse of mike myers and tremor six a cold day in hell now interestingly enough this is the last installment in this continuity of Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween. Yes. After this, they switch to Something else. like retconning a bunch of stuff and new directors and new casts and shit. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things here. What order do we want to take them in? Well, I was gonna say I would like to do the Freddy one last, just so we end on a on a better better note. Because I was going to say, yes, it's interesting with the Freddy and the Halloween that it's the end of the continuities. Because Freddy goes out with a bang! And Michael Myers not so much so. No. (laughs) Yeah. How about we start with Tremors and then we do the other two because they're the last installment. Sure. Yeah, and there's, what's the word? There's uh, similarities between the two. Yeah, Tremors is certainly the odd one out. Do you want to bring Tremors in, Brian? Since oh uh, fuck yeah, dude, near and dear to your heart. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> yes, Tremors: A Cold Day in Hell is really fucking generic as far as the Tremors franchise goes. A bunch of biologists or whatever scientists uh, in the quote unquote Arctic when it's actually in a desert in South Africa <laughs> with a white filter and some snow effects over it, uh, are drilling into a glacier and they hit some graboids uh, and shit just goes crazy because that's what graboids do. And they call in, uh, of course, they call in Burt Gummer, who's played by Michael Gross, and his son, uh, I don't know, played by Jamie Kennedy. And uh, they go off into 
what is supposed to be Canada, but again, desert in South Africa, uh, to hunt graboids. And it is the same stuff that they do every damn installment of this movie. Yeah, so right off the bat, Brian, Uh it was filmed in a desert in South Africa? Yeah. Then why the hell wasn't it set in a desert in South Africa if they wanted to just have it in an interesting foreign place? I think they just needed a new gimmick. A new gimmick. It's it's funny, as Brian said, it's very obvious watching the snow stuff that it's a desert and they've just washed out uh, the saturation and, and they've brought everything up to make it look white. I don't even think it's a... De- it almost looks like a beach. It's dunes. It's a sand dune or something. It is a desert. It It's exactly a desert in South Africa. They shot the Tremors 5 in South Africa, so they went back to the same location or a similar location. Must have been cheap <sighs> or something. Oh, maybe that's why they couldn't film pretend this was a desert in South Africa because they'd already... I haven't seen Tremors 5, by the way. It's the only one in the series. I was looking back at the list and it's the only one in the series I haven't seen. <laughs> um, so I was super ill-prepared for Burt Gummer. Having uh, Jamie Kennedy's son, I liked him in Scream. He's the guy from Scream, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I recognized him from. I was like, oh, it's the Scream guy. But we've had Jamie Kennedy on the podcast. Also in the sand. The sand, yes. And there was sand in this movie also. Wow. I suppose the thing, <sighs> me and Tremors, like, the first one is very much beloved. And it's hard to not, all of these, it's going to be hard to not talk about the first one. I always found Michael Gross problematic as a lead, continuing on. Really? I, I did. I just He's a fantastic character actor. That character is fine. I just never found him a likable lead. He's great as a supporting character, as a gun nut. And I know that in the second Tremors, okay, they get half of the original dynamic duo back. But by the time the third one came around and I saw that he was the lead, I was like, that's a great supporting character. I didn't think he could build... The whole thing around him and and it's funny after that i kind of i think understandably lost in, interest with tremors the the one thing i'd say about this movie unlike the other movies we're going to get into it's it's its own worst enemy and it's kind of to its advantage that it doesn't complicate shit like it really could just be called tremors again because that's all they are it's tremors again it hasn't bolted on a whole load of nonsense it hasn't gotten too elaborate or convoluted i know in classic monster movie uh, lore as tremors went on it's added on a few different mutations of the creature there's the ass blaster there's and the second one there was one with the legs that could run around it's almost good but it's also deflating it's like he gets a phone call and it's like oh, i have tremors yeah <laughs> i guess there's a new type of tremor which is i guess a tiny little uh parasitic tremor oh i thought those were ancient parasites that the tremor happened to have kind of yeah before we get into the plot okay plot (laughs) yeah right well there's there's some there's some The plot is tremors again i mean it's well there's a little bit different but i think that michael gross was great in this because the rest of the cast was so bad and if you go from Tremors 1, where it had uh, Kevin Bacon and Michael Gross was a supporting character. His character stays the same while the quality of cast goes down. (laughs) Makes it seem like the stock of his character is rising, so to speak. Which makes it fine in this. The quality of everything goes down. And he, he remains the same. Young Mike has memories that Tremors 4 was surprisingly uh, interesting because in that he's not playing a gun nut. He's playing his ancient ancestor, which was a, a, pre- a pacifist priest. Yeah, yeah. That was the one part where Burt Gummer, got, the act Michael Gross got to play a different character to Burt Gummer in the Tremor series. Yeah, like I have the same problem. Like Tremors 4 is like, oh, look, Michael Gross can be other people other than Burt Gummer. Yeah, Tremors 4 is great. Yeah. Tremors in time. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that's what it was called, but it should have been. Anyway, uh, to the plot. Yeah, for, for something that's billed as um, ice tremors, the thing that they did is like, oh, climate change, like unfroze an ancient graboid. And it's like, well, I guess, but that, that you know, we got the one sequence in the beginning where they changed the color of the dunes. But <laughs> other than that, like ice, cold, like those aren't obstacles in the in the movie at all 
Not even close. Oh, if this film had a budget, it should have been filmed like The Thing. And that was probably what they wanted to do when they were at, like, idea stage. They're like, oh, we're going to do a Tremors film that's like The Thing. And then um, very, very quickly into the process, they probably realized we don't have any, even anything even remotely like the money for that. Yeah, they probably couldn't get the <laughs> right location or whatever. Yeah. So they had to default to some shit that they had done before. Mm. Yeah, and what you're, what you're saying about Burt Gummer is like they both wanted him to be the Graboid expert and also wacky on the fringe because he's getting chased by the IRS guys. And it's like, do you do you want him to be an important person or do you want him to be the gun nut? By this point, however many Graboids he's fought later, he can't really have both, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like him him being chased by the IRS. I mean, it is it is quite possible that a celebrity in the United States would totally screw up their, their celebrity status and wind up having some crappy shop in the middle of nowhere what? and wind up owing the IRS loads of money. No. But still, you're like, we're five, five, six movies in. You're like, oh, Burt Gummer is like weirdly like a celebrity people know and a super fringe character like the guy from the middle of nowhere yeah you know it's all just a bit flat like i appreciated some of the practical effects that we got bits and pieces of practical tremors i i, I think in some of the movies that disappeared a little bit so i i really appreciated that but it just feels kind of flat like if you really really love tremors and you, you just enjoy all the sequels in a bad movie way what i liked or I could appreciate was kind of setting up Jamie Kennedy as taking over the mantle here as becoming that character because um, he's his son and kind of sets him up to, to take over. So if you care about these movies continuing, it, it, it allows for that. Which they have since this installment. But ironically, he doesn't return for Tremor 7. Jamie Kennedy. No, no, no. I haven't seen it. Surprisingly, I haven't watched it. <laughs> is it Shrieker Island is what I saw on the internet. That's the one. Has anybody watched Shrieker Island? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to at some point. I know I will. I have seen Tremors 1 and then Tremors 7. And now, <laughs> so I'm, I guess I'm going backwards. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It feels like they should have found more ways to escalate. And they were just doing Tremors again. Like, it seemed like they were on the right path with the time travel thing, well, or the flashback thing. If they wanted to make it that they just were visiting other horror movie locale, Ice Tremors, Camp Tremors. Nice. <laughs> Michael Myers' house hadn't field Tremors. Tremors on Ellen Street. <laughs> like, they could have done something silly like that, right? Yeah. They certainly could have, and they probably should. Last tremor on the left. <laughs> I spit on your tremor. Oh, no. I don't want to see that one. <laughs> what I appreciated about this, I know, it's funny, I was reminded, this is an odd reference. Before we decided to do the 666, I watched A Quiet Place Part 2. A Quiet Place 1 was a very thin B-movie idea with a very thin premise, but very well executed. And I remember thinking, oh, what is the point of a sequel? So did I. And I watched the sequel, and it confirmed to me what is the point of this. They, do not, they don't change the monster at all. What you see in Tremors is the classic thing when they do a series of monster movies where it, there's a different version of the monster. There's a flyer, there's, a, there's a, one with little legs and whatever else. But there, there still isn't a whole lot. And, you know, the simplicity of this, I just appreciated that it is just... It's just Tremors again. And, and if that's your bag, it's going to deliver that. And clearly, there's an audience for this shit. You know, clearly, there's people who really care about this franchise. Follow me with this thread here, okay? So, one of the um, major points of this, um, of this movie is that Burt Gummer gets infected with a parasite that he got from... Like, you know, being inside Tremors, which he does more than people probably should. <laughs> um, so that is the new type of Tremor. He also, uh, we thought it, he was getting PTSD flashbacks or whatever, but it was actually this uh, parasite taking hold somehow or the representation of that so he was having some sort of blurry visions and stuff but in one of those there is a dark figure that 
sort of resembles the skin and color of a graboid, so were they trying to set up a humanoid-graboid hybrid? Gross. It's funny you say that, Brian, because as a child when I heard about Tremors 2 and hadn't seen it, this is when you didn't have the availability of things. (laughs) The way Tremors 2 was described to me was that it was a humanoid thing that could walk. Mm. That's what was in my head. No, that's not what was in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could be going some... I just wonder, was there ever a development concept that included what you were talking about? I bet there is somewhere. Vis-a-vis the parasites, Brian, that would have been a great... Like, if, they, if the last mutation of the Tremors was infecting people and turning them into these, like, weirdo graboid things. Because um, that would have been cheap to film, because it's a guy with makeup on. And so you basically have Bert Gummer, but now he's in a zombie type film, you know? But these are weird, weird zombies that insist on burying you, you know? Or something. Could have been one of the superfluous characters, too. If they were just wanted to make the thing tremors, I mean, you cannot see where they're going to go with that in the lab and people getting infected and up in an Arctic research state. You, you, I mean, you can, it's all by the numbers, but you can see how that would have been more fun than just. And they had a lot of cast members that they could throw away on this concept, too. Yeah, they had, like, a lot of people, and none of them were as likable as the first group from Tremors 1. And one of them was named Swackhammer. Fucking. Unironically. Swackhammer, yes. That was a very fun name for a character. We can talk about Swackhammer in a minute, and the specific cast members if we wanted to. But this is my point, is the reason you don't really want to is... If you're watching a sci-fi channel presents terrible movie and you're like, oh, God damn it, they're just filling up scenes with these people talking because they don't have the budget to show you the monster. That's probably true in every single movie. Like, that's not a big budget film. But the difference is in Tremors, all of those characters are likable. So you didn't mind spending time watching their interactions like they were played by relatively competent actors and they had like actual likable dialogue to transfer back and forth to each other i think that's the difference if you notice that like jesus why are we spending all these time with these people get back to the worms it's like you know something's gone wrong with the filmmaking because you're you're in a real film you're not supposed to mind spending time with those people you know but also there's there's that mike and and like that's the obvious thing The, the, the other thing that's obvious that's missing here because it is just Tremors again, is the classic horror movie movie thing of, is there a threat? What is it? There's mystery. There's suspense. Somebody doesn't really believe that there's anything going on. We're getting little glimpses of the thing. We see a little bit more, and there's a sense of escalating dread. And that that even is present in the first movie. Here it's just Mm. Tremors. (laughs) All that build-up and character building just ain't there, you know? Some of the other movies we're going to speak about kind of suffer from that a little bit as well. You know, because you're straight out of the gate with the monster or the villain. You just kind of don't care. Yeah. In the first movie, this is a wanky thing that people say, but the desert itself was kind of a character. Oh, yeah. That landscape and sand, maybe a bit of a stone moving and what is it? That in itself was a character that you just don't get. Well, certainly the location in Tremors 1 was itself very interesting looking. It was like filmed nicely. And then you get to this film, and even though it's probably filmed in a similarly beautiful desert, they don't spend any time with it, and you feel like you're just on that shitty compound they set up for the movie. You know? A bunch of shipping containers, basically. Yeah, and you just, you know, I got tired of shots of things being dragged through clearly loose earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just got t- a bit tired of those shots. You know what shot I didn't get tired of? Bert Gummer's butt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just full-on man move. The best part of the movie, the only part of the movie that got a genuine chuckle from me was I liked that Michael Gross was willing to show us all his butt for a laugh. And he did it in such a I don't give a fuck way. He clearly doesn't care. Like he just doesn't <laughs> care anymore. Like he's he's nearly eighty now. Yeah, but but you know who wouldn't show you his butt for a laugh? Steven Seagal. Do you know who wouldn't show you his butt for a laugh? Chuck Norris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like the point we made that there's some of these movies, terrible movies, that could be redeemed by a lead that doesn't take himself as seriously. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think Michael Gross takes himself that seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine, imagine Tremors with Nick Cage. Oh. 
Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> I don't think that would work ever. Not in a million years. As the Graboid? <laughs> <laughs> that would be fine. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> they make similar sounds. They have a very similar acting range, anyway. In a cage and a Graboid. Mm. You know, just treading the same ground here, because Tremor 6, it, it is, look, it is flat, and it's just... If if Tremors is your bag, maybe you like it. I always found I take your points about Michael Gross. I always just found him a little bit problematic as a lead. When you say problematic, though, you don't mean you, you don't have any problem with a gun nut. No, in general, it's just the flatness of his particular character. Yeah, it was always a two dimensional character. Yeah, as I said, as a gun nut as a supporting character, he was one of the best supporting characters in any movie in the original. Like it's glorious. It's like this. We all know the classic scene where the tremor comes into his basement <laughs> and he's just reaching for every <laughs> through the wall. Yeah, and he has every fucking so gun good. known to man. And at the end, he pulls out an elephant gun, and we're all rooting for him. Yeah, the shot where the, he has the wall of guns. And then the shot pans to the glass case with the elephant coat. It's glorious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, a, it's great. But this is, he's, he's the most lovable supporting character. I just yeah. found he just did, like, he's a character actor. It's a two-dimensional character. For me, I just found he just doesn't have the range or weight. And maybe that's down to the writing as well. That's a fair complaint. Yeah, no, I, I'm convinced there's a way way to write Burt Gummer. Like, with different writers, you could write an interesting version of Burt Gummer. It just, I don't think, I, I don't think the writers of Tremors. Yeah, because Burt Gummer just seems to have one setting. Yeah. On my second watch of this movie, which I did this morning. Oh, God, bro, oh, you motherfucker. I gotta say that there are a good amount of one-liners that are at least acceptable to above middling. Okay. <laughs> because my most hated character, Swackhammer, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> he sucks shit. Uh-huh. They try to electrify a big metal building. Well, no, it's not even that, Brian. They try to electrify the metal poles, the foundations of it, as if that all wouldn't just discharge into the ground straight away. Exactly. So <laughs> when this bullshit nothing is successful, obviously, and a graboid runs into this electrified building underground um, and explodes because fuck it, yeah. uh, Hammer grabs his dick and says I've done more with less. What? <laughs> Which <laughs> I didn't catch the first time and there's a lot of little tiny tiny little just just tiny little fractions of sentences throughout that are just like a little uplifting. <laughs> they make it a little less serious. Yeah. Which I didn't catch because I was too busy yelling about how I hate this movie. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's fair. Like but that's the thing is if if the film is filmed correctly, you can you catch those like a lot of those details the first time round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of trying to flesh out the character, so the character development for Bert Gummer they try to do is in Tremors 5 they obviously give him Jamie Kennedy the son. And so the interactions between Bert Gummer and Jamie Kennedy Bert Gummer's son are, are, are there attempts to give him character building and, you know, like develop his character a bit more? They fall kind of flat for me. We introduce one of the female scientist ladies who, they're, they're all kind of dressed the same, so I kind of had trouble telling them apart. She's the daughter of Kevin Bacon and the seismologist lady from the first film, but they didn't do nothing with her. Like, she, she like, talks to Burt Gummer and she's, like, also as knowledgeable about Burt Gummer and Graboids as Burt Gummer is. But they could have done more stuff with that. They don't. That kind of feels flat. Like, I had trouble telling which one of the ladies she was for most of the film. Yeah. Like, these are just filmmaking basics, you know? I mean, they tried, which is something, but it wasn't nearly enough. I'd be very just interested to see where the Tremors franchise goes. Into the bargain bin at Walmart. (laughs) They're already there. No, but in 20 years, you could wind up with a fresh reboot because the original is still a beloved thing. Yeah, I buy that. You know, and some of the movies we're going to talk about have had fresh reboots. So I could, I could definitely see Tremors going down that road. But do we want to segue in? Do we need to say any more about Tremors? No, speaking of reboots. Speaking of reboots. Halloween. Who wants to introduce Halloweens? I think, Legan, you're a big Halloween fan because I can see Michael Myers in the background. Yeah, that's true. Can you introduce Halloweens? Okay. 
this this movie does give you a big exposition dump at the beginning, read by Paul Rudd of all the characters. Someone's got to start somewhere. Who never ages. Looks the same in this movie as he does now. Yep. As we've talked about on the podcast, Halloween two was was the sidetrack, and so now we're back to Michael Myers three, right? Halloween three. Excuse me. Okay, well, Michael Myers is back immediately, um, and this one tails into Halloween 5. I don't know if we can really... I'm struggling, clearly. <laughs> it's okay. What's interesting about this is Halloween is a franchise I really, really care about, and back in the day, I bought every Halloween movie on DVD, and I had every Freddy movie on DVD, and you've got Halloween 1 and 2. 2 has continuity with 1. 3 is the odd one out, which we've covered. And four, five, and six are actually referred to as the Thorn Trilogy, mm. which we're going to get into. And this is where it goes off the fucking rails. Mm. And Halloween 4, it's what you were saying, Hagen, is basically, okay, nobody liked Halloween 3. Halloween 4, just here's Michael Myers again. Here's Haddonfield again. Here's him killing teenagers. It's just a remake of the first one. Five, they sprinkle in and pepper. Just fuck, literally like if all you have is a cheese pizza. And you want to eat something different. What's in the cupboard? So they just sprinkled in this few little shots with the pagan symbol on his wrist and a few little shots of this man in a black trench coat. It didn't explain what the fuck it was to allow the person who made the sixth movie to go wild with the whole, and we're going to get into that, pagan ritual occult stuff. Yeah. It's fucking bonkers. And, and this is what makes conversations interesting about a movie that's gotten to number six. Yes. When it started with such... Like, again, it relates to my point about Quiet Place. Michael White is the thinnest, most basic idea. I love John Carpenter, but Halloween is the most thin, basic premise. He is a guy... Who kills people with a knife. That's it. That's it. (laughs) And even these conversations about him being supernatural piss me off. We can get into all of that. To me, Halloween 6 is what happens when you sow all these seeds that aren't very well thought out or planned because you've ran out of ideas. Six is the culmination of just bad ideas uh, that don't really belong in the Halloween universe. Sort of like the last Star Wars movie. Woo. I guess the the problem with getting to six, when you start with a mysterious threat, is that by this point you're like, well, we gotta, we have to have some explanation for who this is and why this is happening. But the explanation that they give feels like it really undercuts what it is but the seeds for this lunacy like i was thinking about this i haven't watched any of the halloweens in years so it was a little it was all little light bulbs going off my head the seeds for this lunacy started with halloween too yeah when he saw when he found someone written on a wall yeah yeah and and sam lewis goes it's the guard the policeman goes it's gibberish and dr sam lewis goes it's not gibberish it's sam hayne that's when this nonsense started, and with 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 Laurie Strode being his sister, but it it to me six is just so fucking problematic because part of the storyline is incest. Is it? Is it? I don't see. I couldn't. They, they throw a lot of expectations at the viewer in this movie. I have only ever seen the, the first Halloween, and the third Halloween, and this Halloween. And some of the newer ones. She's meant to be pregnant with her uncle's baby. Her uncle is Michael Myers. Is that it? Is that is that she meant to be pregnant with Michael Myers' baby? Is that it? I thought it was just a baby. This is where this movie is really fucked up. There's two there's two cuts of this movie. The producer's cut and the theatrical cut. And the producer's cut is way more of the occult controlling Michael Myers. And there's a lot of half-baked ideas. And the the incest thing apparently I've read that this was part of the original thinking. How clear that is in the movie, I'm not sure. I was confused for a long time as to exactly who the lady, the pregnant lady who fled with her baby was exactly. Um, and then and then finally, like way into the movie, someone, ex- I think it's, it's um, Paul Rudd explains, someone explains that, oh, that pregnant lady who fled was... Jamie was Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode's daughter. But yeah, it must have just gone out of my brain. Who's the baby? Again, I know too much about Halloween. <laughs> the, the, the girl who played Jamie, Laurie Strode's daughter, in Halloween 4 and 5, was meant to play, was meant to be that girl in this movie. Mm. Um, and the reason she, did, she wasn't cast, she was too young. Yeah. 
she was 16 or 17 at the time, so she couldn't. They didn't time it out right, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like there's a bunch of failures in the sixth installation <laughs> of a movie franchise. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> there's a couple, the t- I, I, mm. I said too much about, like, the, the, the things that I like about this movie, it was always a turd in the salad bowl, but, like, I, I don't like the Thorn trilogy, the four, five, and six um, Halloweens. What I will say about the sixth one is that it's really nicely shot. It's dark and it's atmospheric and the cinematography is really nice and they're trying things. But it just, as I said, it just feels like the combination of a lot of very bad half-baked ideas. We haven't even talked about any of the characters in this movie yet. Well, we've got the, 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 the man in black. I mean, do, can we talk about that? Because uh, it's something that's paper thin. We've been skirting around it. But yeah, so, so the idea is that there's this group of druids. Yes. We're bringing, we're bringing back the druids that want to control Michael Myers as like the embodiment of evil by sacrificing this baby to him so that they may be spared. Yeah. Yeah. So, or the world may be spared. Yeah, it's kind of the old worldly idea. They, they would select someone to to kill to prevent, you know, like an old timey pagan thing that if they made sacrifices, it would stop thorn plagues and shit like that. The demon thorn. But so this was this this was the confusing thing for me is Michael Myers in this film is clearly supernatural. Um, so that means the pagan druid guys are correct, which means by saving the baby, you are dooming the world or whatever the pagan guys were trying to prevent is going to happen. But they never get into that. Well, except that you can just you can just beat up Michael Myers and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> they tried that before. They even injected him with neon goop by the end of this one, and guess what? He's gone. You know, the whole Druid thing is just, I can't cope with it in the context of Michael Myers. The fact there's a piece in this where, he, because he's under Druid control, he can be stopped with a stone. What? What? Henge? A stone henge? Like in Halloween 3? There's a scene on a corridor where he stopped with a magic stone. Is there? Were you, did you watch a different cut than we did? You must have, because that I don't remember that part. I don't remember that either. Tell us about the magic stone scene, because that wasn't in the version we saw. Yeah, because Paul Rudd has magic stone. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what? <laughs> he sure does. There's the producer's cut and the theatrical cut, and the producer's cut has way more of the Michael Myers being controlled by the Druids. <sighs> and the theatrical cut went for more of you know, classic Michael Myers just fucking stabbing people, and you know, and and both cuts, don't, they don't, neither work, and it just feels like there's gaps here, and it neither really works. That's so fucking crazy. Just talking about Halloween Six is interesting because this is what happens when you start to run out of ideas, and you have such a paper thin concept from the get go, and things just get bolted on and bolted on and bolted on, and as I said, you get to a point where you have magic stones, and you have incest and every kind of fucking madness going on i just wanted to talk about the druid stuff more because i'm i'm i kind of like that this madness is in there in halloween 3 the one that has nothing to do with michael myers they introduce a whole bunch of wacky doctor who druids using tvs to, to do druid stuff and it's almost like that infected Having that third film infected the main Michael Myers thing. (laughs) And they were like, oh, because Samhain Samhain was written on a wall in Halloween 2, that gives us permission to start importing this. And this is the other thing that annoys me. It's a minor thing. Like, so Samhain, the Irish for Halloween, and you talk about like Iha Haura and stuff. But then you introduce these runes. And stuff, and but the runes are from Nordic stuff. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like this crystal shop mashup yeah, yeah, yeah. of occult stuff. It's like what you're what, what the lady who likes incense, who lives with too many cats, her version of occult stuff. Karen occultism. <laughs> yeah, but it is as you said. It's like permission to use Halloween and druidry without thinking about it. It's like supermarket sweep. Yeah. It's just, get that shit in. <laughs> and it's fucking bonkers, but it's kind of a drab movie as well. Well, this is the other thing you said earlier, Christian, about how you thought, thought the film was shot nicely. I did not think the film was shot nicely. There was one shot in this film that super annoyed me. When the mom, and you maybe, yeah, this is where Brian has been begging us to talk about the actual characters, and we haven't actually talked about the characters. There's a <laughs> shot where there's a mom sneaking around a house, and Michael Myers is in the house, and over her shoulder, John Carpenter is great at 
usually framing shots and things. He's great at that kind of stuff. He didn't direct this one. He didn't to do this one, did he? No, 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 no. Yeah, and so there's a shot where Michael Myers is over her shoulder. Now, because of the angle the thing was filmed at, Michael Myers in the shot looks short. There's no reason for him to look short. Yeah. They could have put a box on the ground and they could have had him stand on the box. We can't see his feet anyway because there's a big window in that room and the window may be genuinely a huge window, but we don't know that. But because of the scale of the window, don't shoot any scene where Michael Myers looks small. And they did that a couple of times, you know? This was my major issue with the movie is that Michael Myers looked unintimidating compared to his predecessors. I don't know if it was something like going on with the mask looked flatter and like wispier or something. It's funny because I always found the mask, you see, I always found the mask really problematic in four and five. It was as though they gave it a point to your nose and gave it a bit more definition in four and five. And I know a lot of Halloween fans like the mask in six. Um, it's got it's flatter and it's a bit more William Shatnery looking. More neutral. It looks more like it looked in the first one, I think. For me, it was just something about the way that it was filmed that made it look less scary. Yeah, it's funny. The mask is a funny one because like that, it's obviously a personal thing and everybody will have a different feeling on the mask. I hated the mask in four and five. I just hated it. It's a different mask. Mm. It looks like a Halloween store mask in 4 and 5. Well, didn't they originally choose it to be like completely blank, like a normal neutral mask? Because that's kind of scary to people. Well, originally said it was just a William Shatner mask. Originally. Yeah. Stripped it down a bit. Yeah, but the, yeah, the idea was it just looks blank. Yeah. yeah. But because of the way the first Halloween was filmed... That, that, that registers that it's like supposed to be a blank, vaguely human thing. Hey, Mike Myers, he really likes picking people up, huh? Yeah. That's like his thing, right? He just, he went from stabbing to just like lifting people onto things, huh? <laughs> it's scoring them impossibly. Mm -hmm. But the impossible scoring started in the first movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it did. Where a guy is impossibly scored. So it's kind of like, oh. Uh... It's just, that's the only thing he does in this movie now <laughs> that's just a thing now but like I, I think there are parts of the movie nicely shot but like i've said this before regard to john carpenter's cinematography it's not to knock john carpenter but what people think of the john carpenter look is kind of dean cundy dean cundy did all those early john carpenter movies and you see the john carpenter movies where dean cundy wasn't on it and it doesn't look as good and i mean dean cundy went on to do back to the future and jurassic park so, like, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, that was so... Like, if Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis wanted you, you are clearly the best cinematographer in Hollywood. And if you look at, like, a John Carpenter, the later John Carpenter movies, they look kind of shitty. They know they do. Oh, they're not bad. Mm. No, they're not bad, but they don't have that... Even that beautiful depth of field and pole focus yeah. that some of those early movies have, and just knowing how to light things and frame things. And this movie was certainly trying to do that, but it was just setting up scenes where they had the potential to do shots like that, but didn't have the expertise to pull it off very well. There's still a lot of shots of Mike Myers just sort of slowly walking through hallways and down fucking streets and shit, but... It's hard for me to verbalize this movie and kind of summarize it, because I just, I just when I, when I, when I think about it, it's just, it's a potpourri basket filled with junk. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just... A, a lot of junky ideas, and the fact that there's two cuts of the movie make, makes it even more uh, complicated. Oh, speaking of junk, a thing that I spent the whole film trying to puzzle out, I think I failed. Christian, the people living in the Myers house, the people living in the Myers house now. The Strodes. The Strodes. Who are they? I don't know. <laughs> I actually, I, I don't. I don't fucking know. Yeah, because there's a uh, um, the family dynamic is pretty obvious. There's like a, a man and a woman and a teenage son, and the t and a and a older daughter who has come back from college or started college, but has like a got pregnant very young and now has like a, a kid, you know. And so that's the family dynamic. The dad is an asshole about the about the daughter having had a kid at such a young age, even though the daughter is trying to better herself in high school the, the the mom is kind of passive and the teenage son is just generic teenage son but it's like who are these people as i said both cuts of the film it feels like there's things missing yeah it, it just feels like there's stuff 
missing. Because it says Strode Real Estate outside, and there's a for sale sign that's recently taken down. But there's shit in the yard like they've been living there for ages. And there's some thing, there's some mention later in the film that, like, it's relations of the original um, Strode family that are living there. Jamie Lee Curtis's character's name is Laurie Strode. The lady that was that had the baby in the beginning is Jamie Strode. They are relatives of Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Well, who are the who are the people in the house though? I think it's indeterminate. The guy works for a thing called Strode Real Estate. It's just relatives. Considering that they made Paul Rudd the kid that Jamie Lee Curtis babysat in the first movie. Like they made Paul Rudd that character which is very specific and and has a direct relationship to Michael Myers. It's weird that they didn't do that with the other main character. Yes. The young mother. The lady. Kara Strode? Kara Strode. Because that's that's another weird thread that that they don't really focus on, is that her son starts hearing the Michael Myers whispers of what apparently the druids, like, whisper to Michael Myers to make him go crazy and as a as a child the ancient druid curse of thorn yes the demon that was the the rewriting that i didn't really appreciate of of him as a, a child being controlled by druids even yeah that was kind of dumb i want to ask you Lagan, because you're 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 i've spoken to much you're also a halloween fan <laughs> with regard to the the the, the, the druid add-ons to michael myers like what are your feelings yeah like i said i I know they needed some explanation, but I don't think this was it. And I know it is the Halloween series, so it makes sense that it is directly tied to the power of, of Halloween. But I think him as a as a tool undercuts the power of him as an entity, as this uncontrollable, mysterious, can't unstoppable force, which I think is is scarier. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. He, here's what would have been better if you were doing it, is instead of him being created by weirdo druid magic and then uh, the druids then um, trying to use him in their ritual to do stuff, how about Michael Myers is this horrible, unstoppable force of evil that just just happened? He's like a total freak of nature. And then you can have the druids show up and they're like, ah, yes, an unhorrible, unstoppable force of nature evil. We must take control of it, for we are the mm-hmm. druids, and we know how to do things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the druids get their asses handed to them by Michael Myers, because yep. that's kind of yep. what happens anyway. And you keep Michael Myers as being awesome, you know? Instead of, here's a druid, demon, whatever bullshit inhabiting him. Number five ends with him getting blown up, so they could have done like a weird... like resurrection ritual and yeah sure no, number five is, and my, 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 my memory's great for it's four or five is isn't there an ending maybe it's four <laughs> or is it five where it's a problem jamie J, jamie the daughter of laurie strode starts to become michael myers Ooh. yeah that that was something that that was also kind of fun that they thought they were going to pursue and then they didn't where jamie fell into the same i'm i i killed my babysitter or, or sister or whatever it was as a child the cycle continues that's obviously what they were trying to echo with the little kid hearing the yeah michael myers whispers because he was vaguely connected to that's probably why their surname was strode oh it's another strode that's falling victim to the thing but we're not going to explain exactly how these strodes are related or why they're still in the michael myers house yeah it's probably just they switched writers and directors between movies and like they're there's some sort of continuity that people were pulling on, but like failed to deliver because it's just a different creative team. But my question is, what the fuck did they inject him with? And why did it have fetuses with it? In the end of the movie, yeah, they yeah. go to the sanitarium, where I guess <laughs> yeah. Mike Myers was, and they run into a back room. Yeah, and there's just tubs of yeah. neon goop. And like no, doesn't make sense. baby fetuses, and then they inject them with this. Paul Rudd beats the shit out of Mike Myers and injects them with a bunch of giant, cartoonish syringes. See, I thought they were were going to reveal that they scienced up Michael Myers as well, like they grew him out of a tube or something. Yeah, because there was there was labels on the sides of those shitty tanks, and and when I say shitty, I mean like they looked the the lab set looked 
garbage. Cheap. But it had labels, and the labels had runes on the side. Like, so it was a sciencey looking label, but all written in the runic alphabet. So it was like the crazy nonsense druid science that fe- fell over from Halloween 3. Did they try to clone him in any of the movies? I haven't seen all the Halloween movies. Did they try to clone him? Well, no. No, 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 no. That was Jason. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The scene we're referring to is the closest it's ever come to even alluding to that there's some sort of medical, and even like this movie starts with people in medical gowns, that there's some sort of experimentation going on. So this film came out in 1990, wasn't it? 95. What's interesting about this is this and Elm Street 6 both came out around the same time. It's mid-90s. And they both had a theatrical release. And they're both movie shot on film. And they're both out from the original version, whether it be Elm Street or Halloween, they're both about the same amount of time. It's about 15, 16 years. What makes Tremors different is that it's it's much further away, the sixth installment. Yeah. The, these kind of flowed around the same time. That was what made the two those two movies stand out from Tremors is they're shot on film, they're big studio movies, there were theatrical releases, and, and, and how a movie like this could get a theatrical release is <laughs> yeah, so fucking... It's just bananas. Brian mentioned the, the glowing chemical group, the, like the nonsense lab. The end of the film and all the druid stuff, it, it was... It's, you know, the satanic panic stuff from back in the day, like 1995 is too late in the day to be making stuff about that. Like it's trying to echo the satanic panic, but all the stuff about like hospitals doing secretly being Satanist centers and having secret labs underground and doing weird stuff with babies and blah, blah. It all smelled like it was half baked satanic panic era type concerns. But 1995 is too late in the day to be making a film about that. That film would have been current and exciting 10 years previous, you know? Yeah, but the but the origins of the satanic stuff go back to Halloween 5, which is the tail end. You know, Halloween 5 might have been just at the tail end of where there was still satanic-y, panicky stuff going on. The, the thing on his wrist, the pagan symbol on his wrist, that was dropped in, in Halloween 5. This fucking movie. Anyway, on YouTube, somebody has uploaded on YouTube P-Cut, Halloween 6, P-Cut, P-Cut, which is the producer's cut, if anybody has nothing to do. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Unless it's actually the symbol for Thorn instead of a P. Well, I thought it's funny. I was watching it going, the Strode Reality logo and the symbol uh, for Thorn are similar. Oh. I thought was that meant to be a thing. But no, they didn't do anything with that. The connections between all the stuff are as loose as a QAnon conspiracy theories connections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need a Q guy in here to, to teach teach us what this film was about. No. <laughs> no, we don't. I want... No, no. Ever. I, yeah, I want What's-His-Face to review this movie. What's the guy's name? Alex Jones? I want Alex Jones doing a commentary on Halloween 6. Because <laughs> um, when he sees the lab, he's going to start ranting and raving about the Bilderbergs and Hillary Clinton. It'll be great fun. Oh, boy. oh sure. That's what turned the frogs gay. It's Obama <laughs> juice or whatever the fuck. It's adrenochrome. <laughs> this movie was marketed as the origin of Michael Myers. Oh, God. At some point, And the curse of Michael Myers. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean it was marketed as it had different names. Yeah. And, and even some of the marketing had 666 on it. Yeah. That's as tenuous a link from that movie to our podcast as some of the shit in this fucking movie is linked to the occult and the druids. We did it. There you go. Speaking of tenuous links, there's a tenuous link between this movie and Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. From now on, I'm just referring to it as Freddy 6. I'm not saying Nightmare on Elm Street 6. It's too many words. It's Freddy 6. Okay, that's fine. What was the tagline for it? The Final Nightmare. That's the one. Freddy's dead, baby. Freddy's dead, yeah. So, I haven't watched a lot of the other Freddy films, but boom, straight out the gate, we got nonsense going on. <laughs> it's like, this This film is like, oh, you haven't seen any other films? It probably doesn't matter. <laughs> and so there's some kid and he's trapped. He's like the last teenager in all of, um, uh, not Elm Street. What's the name of the town? Whatever the name of the town is, doesn't matter. Springwood. 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 And so Freddy sends him out into the world to get 
get some lady. He wants some lady from the real world brought back to uh, Springwood. And we got like a vague Stephen King's itch on steroids where like all of Springwood is now Freddy's realm, Freddy's domain. And people in there, like I, I don't know exactly what the occult thing is. People can just drive to Springwood in a car. But once you're in there, you're in there. And he's got like this, like his, his zone of influence is all of Springwood. So the kid is sent out. He winds up in a um, uh, halfway home for troubled teens, which luckily is the place where he was supposed to go anyway to acquire the people he needs to acquire. The lady tries to bring him back to Springwood to try and jog his memory because he has amnesia and stuff and can't remember who or what he is. One of the therapists or counselors at the halfway house. One of the therapist ladies, one of the, one of the big hearted counselors. And then three other teenagers from the halfway house stuck on board in the van that they use of the halfway house. So they're along for the ride too. When they get to Springwood, Freddy's zone of influence uh, extends and they are, they're all trapped in various nightmare set pieces that are all very wacky and silly but highly entertaining. And this film is basically all gas, no brakes, yeah. away it goes. Yeah. This just constant nonsense. It's about Freddy trying to escape Springwood, I think. Yeah. That's my synopsis. For whatever reason in previous movies, he can only be there. So he has to mind jockey specific people to get out. And that's his plan through this. Clearly, compared to our struggling with the Halloween 6 intro, this is much more like concise, focused. Yeah, it opens with Freddy Krueger dressed up as the Wicked Witch of the West East. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> so, like, clearly the tone is much more irreverent and bonkers right off the start. Campy or campy, yep. Because of that, like, because there isn't a serious plot to pay attention to, because Freddy himself isn't supposed to be this blank slate threat, I think they went the right direction for having six movies of just going for it mayhem Mm -hmm. and the physical effects guys on point whole way through yeah 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 the whole (laughs) elm street franchise is it's it's built upon having like the uh, good effects and good kills and if you have that much devotion time devotion in your movies to just elaborate scenes then you're not going to have as much time for plot which is probably why one of the reasons why this franchise is so successful they don't have space for plot. Yeah, and I can see the Freddy movies, like, they sell really well overseas because the plot is so thin and it's so visual and visceral. This, it's, kids love them because Freddy is such a simplistic boogeyman and he's not that frightening. But even at the end of this, you have a wonderful montage of all of the fantastic effects we're talking about. Yeah. It was joyous to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I had a box set of all the Freddy movies and it was just like watching a highlight reel of all that good stuff. And there's some very Beetlejuice-esque stuff going on with some of the um, stretching out and tongues. And... Yeah. Like, Freddy's was, apart from the first movie, here and there, Freddy was never scary. But just something that I want to say that isn't really related to what we're talking about is I always really, really liked the idea of Freddy as a concept. Mm-hmm. And I know it's classic and it's got it, but the sins of the parents being visited upon the children in the form of a boogeyman, I always thought, I, I just... I find it a more interesting idea than Michael Myers, and I like the Halloween universe. What I want to ask, because I can't remember, throughout the Freddy franchise, as campy and goofy as it is, how much is it alluded to, or is it ever sort of cemented? Was he a child molester or not? He was a child murderer. Okay. Not molester. They established that from the from the first one right yeah i'm just wondering i can't remember i've only seen the first one and this one i think that's another move is that they did explain the backstory of freddy where all the parents figured out who he was and they went and they burned him in the furnace and that's why he's all burned up and stuff well that was one thing i was confused about because in this they burn him in a shed and i'm like oh did they burn him in a shed or the furnace because i thought they kept cutting back to freddy classically when you go to the dreamscape you're like 50 percent chance of being trapped in like a scary basement with a furnace because i thought they burned him in a furnace but then in the flashback they... it's a minor point but mil- child molester or child murderer it's kind of like a similar idea you know yeah it is a similar idea but why I'm getting at it, the 2009 Michael Bay reboot of this, 
Has anybody seen that? No. 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 Maybe? Because, again, because Freddy was a character I kind of cared about. I, I, I remember going to the cinema to watch it. Oh, boy. Mm. And they nearly did a thing that I liked where, in this, in, in the Michael Bay version, he's a child molester. And that's why the lines are getting blurred here. Up to a certain point in the film, it wasn't clear, and I thought it was great if they left it ambiguous, perhaps the parents killed the wrong person. Mm. And I go, that's a great, like, that's wonderfully dark. <laughs> if if he wasn't, if he wasn't that person at all, that's wonderfully dark. And I always liked that idea and leaving that ambiguous. But uh, in the original series, that that's not the case. I'm going off on a side note. Yeah. But I just like, I, I do like the idea of Freddy as a, as a boogeyman. But yeah, there are ghosty things like that where you spend the whole film thinking the female ghost that's been tormenting the protagonists is like somebody who did a murder or something and then you find out near the very end of the movie film yeah, that not, no yeah. it's the town sheriff who did the murder and it's it's the ghost lady is just trying to warn everyone i'm thinking of the goosebumps film is that a spoiler <laughs> i thought you were talking about the haunting of hill house well is that that's the exact same thing again is it uh, that's that's ghost plots for you anyway so that was that you could have done that with freddie but they didn't because freddie is trashy <laughs> so it's He's just actually the child murderer or whatever. Yeah, it's not really about his motivations. It's just like they needed something to point to and be like, that's why he's evil. That's why dream demons went to him to be like, we can make you more evil. They just needed a starting point and killing children is pretty fucking dark starting point the dream demons they did add the dream demons this one yeah okay so the, so in michael myers the, the the other six part film they introduced all the not introduced they it, it culminates all the drood nonsense and none of us liked it we all thought it was a mess yes we just did that yes but in freddy you have these three snaky dream demon things and they're silly but everything else in the film is kind of silly so I didn't instantly hate it the way I hated the Drood stuff in Michael Myers, you know? I have to ask, did anybody... I was so disappointed that I didn't have 3D glasses for this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I was, re like, really gutted. I was like, oh, 3D, I remember this. This was in the height of 3D theaters before IMAX, I guess. So you'd get, I don't know, you'd get glasses and very apparently... Yeah. At the end of this movie, um, they give glasses to Kara Krueger, the daughter of Freddy Krueger, who the therapist lady. is the therapist lady. And it's not really like it's pretty fucking apparent uh, <laughs> <laughs> throughout the entire movie that she's the daughter. So it's not really a spoiler. We all caught on to that pretty quickly. They give her glasses and tell her that you can take this into the dream realm and it can be anything you want. So after that point, they have a lot of shit flying at the <laughs> screen. Yeah, but that's fun. <laughs> Which you can tell. <laughs> For that Freddy Vision TM. Uh. Yep, Freddy Vision, that's right. Yeah, but I just thought, how like pre-internet, this is 95, uh -huh. Like how much fun would that be in a theater? Oh, big time. <laughs> I remember that. I, I had seen movies back in the day where they gave you the paper 3d glasses it wasn't like imax because i saw the avengers and imax and that was crazy definitely not like imax this was just you could take the glasses off in the theater and it would look pretty much the same yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot trash at coming at you from the yeah jaws 3d was another one where oh, jesus a hand floats out of the screen yeah i was disappointed i didn't have 3d glasses mike you might remember this uh our father had a video store and there was a big big sack of 3d glasses behind the counter for freddy six you might remember <laughs> oh, that oh i don't i don't that's a memory i don't have that's very good i i'm sad that's not my memory yeah, and they were the, the they were cheap video store issue three D glasses that were so cheap they didn't have legs. You had to hold them <laughs> to your face. <laughs> yep. I also was wondering if I found a pair of three D glasses somewhere, would it work? 
on this file. Nah, nah, because you need the the whatever they do to make things three D, where they they put um red and blue over whatever you're looking at to make it three D when you put the glasses on. That wasn't in the videos that we had watched, so that's unfortunate. If you tried three D glasses, it probably wouldn't have worked. If there's a sack of three D glasses in my dad's video store from back in the day. That means there was some version of it you could rent. Oh yeah, that where the 3D stuff was intact, you know. Yeah, and that yeah. would have been watching it on a crappy CRT, you know, on a from a VHS. Because I remember excitedly watching Jaws 3D with crappy 3D glasses. Even as Brian said, it kind of looked like. I mean, it, it didn't look 3D. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was almost. A big part of it was the power of suggestion. It was like a magic lantern show from the 20s. Oh, it's, it's 3D. Yeah. It's, but yeah, nostalgia, nostalgia. Hey, what do you think? Uh, what do you think a boys' hole look uh, tastes like? Yeah, do you remember the part where Freddy was sucking on the boys' hole? Oh man, he sucked out the boys' hole. Yeah, um, he, he gobbled it up. He just he couldn't get enough of that boys' hole. Oh. He gobbled up Breckenmeyer's boys' hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like Mike said, this this movie is just a lot of fun, start to finish. It's just a whole lot. Like it's just a whole lot of fun. Very visual, yeah. very kinetic, just campy. Johnny Depp is in it. He does a cameo, yeah, Johnny Depp on the TV. Gets his boy soul eaten. <laughs> <laughs> the one part I wish they did is, so they hired this lady, and, and she turns out to be the daughter of, of Freddy Krueger, and yet she doesn't at any point do a Robert England impression even when she gets kind of like yeah. possessed by him yeah and she got the glove yeah oh do you mean lisa zane the sister of billy zane wow okay yep sorry <laughs> uh that was a theory that we had when we saw the credits and it was correct <laughs> that was the one negative mark against the film is that lady didn't do a robert england impersonation at any point it was fun getting to see him without the makeup though in the, the uh the flashback scenes yeah. that they did yeah he fucking, he's still scary doing his flashback scenes. Just like being fucking intimidating to children. Yeah. He fucking nailed it. It's funny. Like I said, I watched all of the Freddy movies and they're all fun. Like visually, even if there's plot holes and there's plenty of that. Like talking about the camp, the, the campy tone of this one and how Wes Craven tried to reset the campy tone and bring it back to very serious. Mm. The one that came after this was the ridiculous... Wes Craven playing himself movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was that the Dream Warriors or something? It was New Nightmare. It was the one where they they, they broke every, the fourth and fifth and however many Walls, yeah. exponents of four you get to. They just destroyed the whole thing because he was resurrected through. Like watching his movies or something. So Freddy's new nightmare, yeah. But Freddy breaks through, yeah. But so that's the film where Robert England is in it as Robert England becoming Freddy Krueger. He he's t- talking on the phone about how he's concerned about people taking the films too seriously or something. I can't remember. But then it cuts and Robert England is wearing the Freddy makeup, doing a painting of Freddy in his study. Yeah, it's a it's really bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fucking bonkers movie. It's shit. I mean, it's shit, but I I think I had fun watching that one too. And what I was going to say controversially is the difference between the movies is most striking is Freddy 1, I'm going to be controversial and say I never really care for it. You have horror comedies, right? Where it's like Critters or something. And I loved Critters. But for some reason, Freddy always annoyed me where I could never figure. It's like not scary enough to be scary and not funny enough for teenage me to be funny and i would even go as far as to say that like as an adult currently without having rewatched the first freddy i enjoyed this freddy six more than freddy one mm. as you said freddy one straddled the line i mean it's why i singled it out because like there's the first kill in freddy one it's horrifying it's I'm about to say it's a bit disturbing it it's it's very similar to the first kill in jaws it's really visceral and and just these really guttural screams from this girl who's getting minced. Lingering on it. Yeah. yeah, lingering on it, pinned to the ceiling, being torn apart by an invisible force. It's pretty brutal. And I, w- I will say that about Freddy 1, that it, it there's parts of it that are definitely horror. Yeah, this is why the wild tone shifts in Freddy 1 annoyed me. Yeah. You know, because it's like, if you're a horror film, be a horror film. 
if you're going to be a wacky, scary guy delivering one-liners, yeah. well, Freddy Six does that awesome, where they've decided to just go for the yeah. more co- comedic and wacky. It's funny, that actually heightened my enjoyment of Freddy One. I hadn't seen it until recently. I was like, oh, this is the the wacky horror series, and it opened with this really horrifying kill and i was like oh wow okay no we're actually like a little serious here yeah and then he got into the phone tongue and then that sort of thing as as it went along i think this was also billed as the final freddy movie so it's like whatever like who gives a shit anymore throw it out go yep exactly we have a dream doctor (laughs) yeah hey there's dream doctors but freddy became such a popular character with kids and kids merchandise and halloween that by the third or fourth film the dream warriors film michael mentioned Kids are fighting Freddy. Like, it's it's very kind of 80s kid buddy-buddy movie, you know, adventure. It's like a live-action cartoon. Yeah, Ghostbusters or something. Yeah. You know, it's it's that tonally. Which is why the 2009 one was just, like, a lot of those remakes in the 2000s, it's just fucking dour. It's just, oh. Speaking of busting, uh, should we do our final push? <laughs> well... Me, Brian, and Nagan, we did a massive push to get to this stage. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we always do. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know. Watch Freddy with your friends. Flush Tremors 6. Sorry, Bert. And I'm torn because, yeah, I am I am a Michael Myers fan, although although Christian has proven the superior Michael Myers lorist today. Fuck you, Nagan! Oh. <laughs> 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 um, but unfortunately, I think I think we're also going to have to flush Halloween 6. You get the wacky Paul Rudd performance, which is kind of weird and fun but uh we didn't even talk about sam loomis and his amazing face that recovered from all the burn wounds i saw he had last time yeah whatever uh i'm going to agree with lagan uh you can i mean this probably as far as the nightmare on elm street franchise goes is probably like one of the worst ones but it's still fun there's still weird kills you can watch Final Nightmare? What's what's this called? Yeah, the Final Nightmare. Freddy's dead. Fucking... The Final Nightmare. There's no street involved. <laughs> really gotta tone down your taglines. Um, you can watch this with friends. The Halloween, The Curse of Mike Myers, and Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. You can flush them. I would say Tremors 6, you might have fun watching with your friends. If you and your friends are into Tremors, maybe. But, like, it's on the edge of being flushed. It's a little... So the, the little piece of shit that like stuck to the bowl after you flushed the bath toilet. I would say Halloween Six. It, you could you could probably just flush it like only if you're a Michael Myers completist. And as somebody who has only seen sit down start to finish um, Elm Street One and the film that's definitely called Elm Street Six. The Elm Street Six is great. Even I didn't give a shit that I hadn't seen any of the other ones. Even the montage at the end. Like, over the end of credits where it just shows all the other random kills. I was like, oh, wow, now I don't have to watch the other movies. I just got the best bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, yeah, watch Elm Street with your... Um, watch Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, Fred, Nightmare on Elm Street 6, The Final Chapter with your friends. Freddy 6, great fun. Just, if you know nothing about Freddy, for Halloween, visually, it's just great. And getting the little highlight reel at the end is great fun. Um, Nightmare on Tremor Street mm-hmm. Six, mm-hmm. whatever it's mm-hmm. called, Ice Ice <laughs> Ice Truck Warrior Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> Without ice, if you just want to see Tremors and shit, and you like that character, it kind of knows what its audience base is. You know, people like this character and they like the Tremors and that's and you're just getting that again and again. I don't know what I flush it. It's fine. And then Halloween 6, and I do care about Halloween, but Halloween 6 always pissed me off. Flush it. It just always pissed me off. I think it's a better looking movie than Halloween 4 and 5. I always thought Halloween 4 and 5, it had that terrible TV movie look where everything is just flatly lit and just too beige. I like the way Halloween 6 looked, but that's it. Everything else is just fucking... We disliked Halloween 6 so much, we didn't even talk about the big reveal of who the figure in the black trench coat is, which is lame. And we didn't even talk, which is a little bit of a shame, about the raddest kill in the whole thing. 
In this film that's boring, there's one rad kill where they explode the bad dad using electricity. Give him a scanner's treatment. Well, that's the thing. There's some there's some violent kills, like even at the start, where she's thrown up on a piece of fire machinery and he tears her to pieces with it. It's brutal. Mm. And that's the, the escalation you've always seen with Michael Myers, where there was very little blood and gore in the first one. It's just a classic thing of making it. It's why I hate the Rob Zombie ones. Yeah. Where he smashes everybody's head to pieces. Yeah, it's, those are pretty bad. Six, 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 more like sucks, sucks, sucks.